You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Welcome to the business of money. I have Wayne McCurry and Kevin Lings with me this morning. And uh, let's just get a rundown. I think, Kevin, we need to start with you in terms of this tapering discussion. Uh, there's a, a lot of panic almost out there in terms of what is happening. Give me a sense from, from your perspective. Should we be panicking? Now, I don't think there's a need to panic as such, but obviously we've seen the taper tantrum before in what they did to financial markets. So understandably, there's anxiety. Um, I, think the, I think the Federal Reserve has um, outlined the parameters that they're looking at in order to start taper. I think they've been fairly consistent in that. And I guess um, it's not just about inflation being above the target. It's also about making significant progress on employment. And that's the element that seems to have moved forward. And if you look at the meetings, the minutes of the meeting that came out this week, it's the labor market element that the members of the FOMC focused on. And what they seem to be saying is that, yes, there is significant progress in terms of uh, the employment component of the Fed's mandate. And therefore, the inference is that you're getting closer to that point where the Fed will announce a taper program. And obviously what that's doing is it's suggesting that ultimately interest rates will go up in the US, even if that is two years away. And that makes people nervous and it's making financial uh, emerging markets uh, currency certainly come under pressure. When you and the RAND, it, though, the RAND is nervous. Kevin, talk to me. It's a pretty much tantamount to a blowout. Yeah, it is. I mean, the currency's down over the last um, week, pretty much around about almost 3%. That's considerable. But I looked at just almost every emerging market currency's down. Brazil's down a little bit more than us. Chile's down about the same amount. And you see this, this nervousness around emerging markets. And you would have to argue it's a little bit overstated because it's not as if the Fed is about to hike interest rates. That's at least, we would say, two years away. They're simply announcing that or, or getting to a point where they're possibly announcing a taper program. And even that taper program is likely to be very gradual. So my sense is there's a little bit of overreaction going on in the markets. I can understand it because uh, of the previous taper tantrum, but uh, clearly also linked to commodity prices coming under pressure. And when I look at the emerging market basket, I would say the emerging markets that have a slightly higher commodity component are the ones coming under a little bit more pressure. So Chile under a bit of pressure. So to me, it's not just the taper issue. It's also commodity prices softening, China softening, some nervousness around world growth, nervousness, therefore, around emerging markets. Wayne, let's uh, bring you in here. We've had a spate of results. Um, and if you look at Standard Bank yesterday, you've had ABSA recently, you've had Nedbank recently, I mean, obviously last week, Sassel also in the fray. Give me a sense of, of what stands out from you and, and then, Kevin, you can add um, where you, you deem you would like to on the stock side. You look, I mean, when you look at results, I suppose you can divide them into three areas. 
First of all, the banking results are better than what's anticipated. They've resumed dividends. Most of it, obviously, is just a reversal of bad debts that they overprovided for last year. But that's still a valid, you know, it's still a valid income because last year you put it in your income statement. Now you're taking a lot of it out. Uh, loan growth is there, but it's very muted. You know, interest margins haven't really expanded. And I suppose the overall summary is earnings are still lower now than what they were in 2019, but they're better than expected. Then the second batch of results, commodities, the best on record. Massive cash flows, massive dividends, special dividend share buybacks, enormous. Hasn't stopped the shares from falling. I mean, as Kevin said, you know, the commodity cycle could be peaking and going down a bit. Yeah? So when you look at some of the platinum shares in particular, these have fallen quite away from their peak. And I mean, so have the underlying commodity prices. Then the third lot, I can say, let's call it corporate South Africa, if you want to probably better than what people were anticipating. I mean, there are some exceptions. MassMart wasn't good at all, unfortunately for them, but there's maybe some structural problems in the business there. So I think that's a summary of the corporate results as we've seen over the last little while. And Kevin... Sorry, Bronwyn. You know, the the one thing that strikes me about the banking side, and I can understand what Wayne's saying, is that uh, the numbers were better than expected. But, you know, ultimately, the top line growth coming out of banks is not going to be that fantastic because you're just simply not issuing the credit numbers. When you look at private sector credit, year on year, it's actually declining. Corporate credit barely exists. Uh, banks are being ultra conservative through this phase. So clearly that helps in terms of the bad debts. And it helps in terms of what you're reporting in, term, in terms of earnings. But you're just not adding any top-line growth here. And I'm not sure that that puts banks in a very sustainable position. So I'd be nervous about that. And then equally, uh, I keep wondering to what extent we are, over, we are over-relying on the commodity prices in South Africa particularly in terms of things like uh, the earnings coming out of mining that we think they will just be sustained, that the tax revenue that government's going to collect, that will be sustained. And we already, we gearing, you can just see government gearing up to spend because now they feel that they've got all of this tax revenue coming in. And, and the commodity price cycle is slowing quite considerably. It's not as if it's just one or two commodities. So I, I'm a little bit nervous about some of those areas that have done reasonably okay. Do you share Kevin's nervousness there over yes, reliance? Totally. I think the commodity cycle has actually peaked on the way down. It's cyclical. Things don't go up in a straight line forever. We've had a good commodity cycle. It's been great for the RAND, it's been great for our balance of payments, it's been great for government revenue, been great for economic growth. But now you're probably going to get the down cycle. I mean, commodity prices, the up cycle now, prices got to you know, as high as what they've ever been in the last 60 years, whether you look at it in dollars or deflated dollars. So it was time for the down cycle. I mean, simplistically, if you're an iron ore producer, it's costing you, if you're Kumba, it's costing you $55 a ton all in. If you're an Australian producer, it's costing you probably $25 all in, and you were earning 225 That's unsustainable. That's a commodity up cycle. And now we're going to get the down cycle. But the down cycle is not nearly going to be as severe as previous down cycles because the one positive is there's not this absolute wave 
of new supply coming on stream because they have not spent the capex. So the down cycle will be here. It's valid. I think we're in it, but it will be far more subdued. In other words, you know, uh, iron ore is not going to $30 a ton. It might go to 100. It might go to 80. I don't know, but it's not going to 30. So how does that work into an investment thesis when it comes to the commodity plays? If you invested uh, and you've, you've uh, experienced a great takeout in terms of uh, the rallies that we've seen, should you be getting rid of your, your commodity plays right now? You should be reducing, yes. I, I think it's definitively, it may even be a little bit past the peak, but I think you can reduce your commodity shares now. I mean, no one knows the future, so don't sell out of everything. I mean, you must still maintain a balanced, diversified portfolio, but I think you can actually drop some exposure now. We've certainly dropped some commodity exposure. And sit back, who knows, maybe in six months' time, maybe in a year's time, you'll get a good opportunity to buy these commodity shares at a far more reasonable price. And uh, Kevin, do you, the, this is a, you echo Wayne's sentiments there. Yeah, because the rationale for a sort of so-called commodity super cycle is not there, right? I mean, if you look at the previous commodity super cycle, that was China doing infrastructure over 15 years, phenomenal uh, explosive growth that demanded a huge amount of commodities. You just don't have that. Obviously, the U.S. is gearing up for their own infrastructure program, but it's, it's nothing like China did, and it's spending that will take place over 8 to 10 years. So, so it's not going to create the same sort of effect. And I think that the commodity cycle was elevated by this supply disruption caused by COVID. In other words, this massive stimulus in the U.S. that encouraged U.S. consumers to go shopping on an unprecedented basis, depleting inventories, and now there's been this catch-up. And the catch-up, uh, I think, understandably pushed commodity prices higher. But it's not as if there's an underlying rationale for the sustainability of that. There are one or two exceptions. You would say, I would argue, the copper price. There is a, there's a much better argument for a sustainably higher commodity price over time. Or maybe the platinum price, things that are linked to uh, the, the climate environment and the need for sustainable growth, that sort of thing. But for the rest, I'd be nervous and I'd be nervous about some of those equities because it was just um, kind of the, the only story in town. People piled in, got very excited, thought commodity super cycle ahead. And I think it's just been overdone a bit. Lindsay, let's bring you in here. So we, we've obviously spoken about the, the RAND taking a bit of a tumble. Uh, we're looking at commodity prices potentially coming under pressure, both Kevin and Wayne giving the, the stance that lightening your commodity exposure may not be a bad idea at the moment, although, of course, Kevin, they're singling out a copper being potentially a commodity that has a, a stronger underpin. Uh, but the commodity super cycle does not seem to be a reality in terms of our guests. Lindsay? Yeah, um, I must say that about two months ago, Wayne and I were conducting a podcast together, and he came out with, the, at the time, what seemed an outlandish claim that the super cycle, or so-called super cycle, was over. He called it first, and the market kept on going up. 
but he's been proved right now, certainly in the short term. There are a couple of caveats to that, of course. It's August and commodity traders are all basking in, uh, on their private islands and, that, and reaping the rewards of the, the last few years. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem as though there's, there's some things on, on the go here. And um, you know, when it comes to the RAND and commodities, the RAND's got the perfect storm at the moment. It's got a stronger US dollar and its commodity price is falling. So I just don't know, I don't know how to play this. I think wait until September once the Northern Hemisphere summer is over. But certainly it begs the question whether the thing that we've fallen in love with over the years is now about to break up with us. I don't know. Wayne, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're right there. I mean, fair value for the RAND is probably higher than 1550 against the dollar. I don't think we're going to see a collapse. I don't think it's going to 19 like in other commodity down cycles, but it could go above 16 over the next six months to a year or so. But just to come back to the super cycle, it's not a commodity super cycle. The true super cycle in place now is, let's call it the anti-fossil fuel or the green or the electric super cycle. I mean, you can see Anglo-American burning their coal assets, BHP getting rid of their oil assets. This is, this is the true super cycle. And I, and I certainly agree with Kevin that copper and platinum group PGMs are major long-term beneficiaries. It's not happening next year. People always accelerate, you know, we're only going to go anti-fossil fuel over the next 20 years, you know, but this is the true super cycle. Kevin, you agree with that. I can see you you nodding um, in uh, kind of really. Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd be careful about um, having a blanket approach to to commodities and simply saying that's it um, out of here. Um, I think you can be selective now, so I, I I wouldn't suggest that you just simply sell out of all commodity related stocks. Uh, but I think you've got to think through the, the rationale. What is the underlying reason here for that particular commodity? And what Wayne's saying, I think, is 100% right. There is that uh, buy-in to anything related, a very strong buy-in to anything related around uh, climate and climate change and that sort of stuff. So I think that that uh, sets up a very good rationale for an element of, of commodity stocks. It doesn't mean, though, that um, the RAND doesn't struggle, right? Because, you know, we are highly dependent on a range of commodities. And even if, say, copper and platinum is holding up, it's not, it's not enough. The other component, Bronwyn, just to be aware of, I think, in South Africa, is that we have been consistently running down our inventories in this country over, over a sustained period of time. And it's very likely that as we go towards the end of the year, we're going to be importing more. And it's possible that that import process is starting now uh, because inventories are so, so low. And if you look at our trade balance, it's been incredibly strong, wonderful, phenomenal trade balance. But that can start to change, not just because exports are coming under pressure, but also because imports start to pick up. And I wouldn't be surprised that in the background, there's some added pressure on the currency because of an increase in imports that is starting to build up. Yeah, uh, the, the demand side of the RAND equation is a very important one, I, I think, Kevin. And the, the fact that demand has been so low uh, in South Africa has sort of tempered inflation uh, somewhat, but that, that, that may change. Let's move now, Wayne, to something that um, we spoke about before. What, what leads the commodity market up or down? Is, is, is it the stocks 
or is it the, uh, the, the price itself? We've had this discussion before. Are, is what we're seeing now uh, commodity price-led in US dollars, or is it equity price-led? Uh, because people are in the know, and therefore they, they start selling their, their, their stocks briefly before we go on to other matters. Look, I think it's a combination of, of both. You know, any down cycle will be a combination of normally excess supply hitting the market or more supply hitting the market with some tapering in the demand. And of course, everything is interrelated. It's interrelated to what the US dollar does. The US is normally, the dollar is normally stronger in that environment, which means that the uh, dollar price falls, but everything's interrelated. And of course, shares will look two years, three years forward and say, I know the price of platinum now is a thousand, but maybe it's 800 in two years time and the shares will anticipate that. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an old saying, you know, the good news about any particular sector or share peaks the day before the share falls. Mm. <laughs> Very good point. Um, let's, let's just quickly move on to other, other stocks now, because I've got a whole list here, Wayne, but we haven't got time to go through them. But you're, 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 you, you put your head under the bonnet of magnificent motor cars every day. That's your passion. Has there been any stock or trading update that has uh, results that have come out this week that made you think, I better get my head from, out from underneath the bonnet and sit down and have a look at this company? And I think this Which is I mean, so, so if I can also jump in here, um, Kevin, this is always, always the, the area of stocks of interest, um, sectors of interest, hot stocks, in other words. So, so Wayne, in, in another way of asking you, can yeah. you kick off this section? Look, look very simplistically, 90% of the results that have come out are quite clearly as anticipated. I mean, we knew the banks were going to write back the bad debts. We knew the commodity shares were going to show good results. We knew most of the domestic shares would show better than expected uh, results. But there's been a couple of small companies. But to be totally honest, the results have come out very much as what I anticipated. So, you know, nothing's grabbing me that I must go and buy this and buy this sector. And, you know, other than getting, other than reducing exposure in commodities, I don't feel compelled to go out and actually buy any thing in particular to be honest what is the coldest stock for you then when cold a cold stock a cold stock cold stock man I, th I think we've got to be very careful about the commodity shares especially the single commodity shares like kumba all right so we've got a cold stock play there kevin lings yeah i'd agree with that i think the you know selected commodities um i'd be nervous about now um I would also uh, be nervous about some of the, the retailers. Um, to me, fundamentally, you've got to, in order, in order to create a good retail story, it's not just about um, people earning some income that is slightly above inflation and you plod along. You need a proper dynamic regarding employment and reasonable growth. And this, there's absolutely nothing like that happening. And yes, we've paid some additional social payments and the 350 Rand, et cetera. And there's some companies that will benefit from that, maybe in the food sector. But fundamentally, the rationale for retail to me looks very weak. Um, and linked into that, unfortunately, the property shares around, around the retail space. And so I'm, I'd be nervous about that element. I'd be a bit more positive about strangely enough about South African industrial, because 
uh, I think that um, there is an element of reform that's starting to evolve in South Africa, and potentially some of our companies can benefit a bit from that at the margin, and, and perhaps they are they've been knocked or penalized substantially in the last uh, couple of years. So there may be some decent value in some of, like a Hodeco, some of the, the local industrial, small industrial stocks. But outside of that, you then into persistently Rand Hedge uh, type stocks that are not commodities. And, and until the dynamic around South Africa changes meaningfully, by that I mean you actually are adding employment you're really tinkering at the edges because what is the growth dynamic that you're buying into? And I think that's why there was so much enthusiasm for commodities because it was a real story. It was a real genuine boost to top line. Where's that in the other sectors? And so when you listen to Wayne, what he's saying is, yes, this company's done well because they've written back some provisions for bad debts. This one's done well because they're taking costs out of the systems. Those are all accounting manufacturing to get to the bottom line. What's driving top line in South Africa? Very little. Mm. And I'm just going to stay with you on this one, Kevin. So, so I just got to bring a little bit of macro in here, but you, you'll see why I'm doing it. Is that the the, the Fed's minutes that came out on Wednesday talked? Uh, it hinted, just hinted at tapering. It's not like the U.S. forces have just come out of Afghanistan and and there's there's a free for all. This is is going to be if it happens, is going to be done in a measured and restrained sort of way but it's terribly terribly important and you saw the sensitivity of the market as soon as the word tapering came into the fed's minutes uh, the, the market uh, sold off so we have to be very mindful of that as well in general when it comes to equities which in many jurisdictions are rather lofty when it comes to valuations at the moment yeah i'd agree with that there isn't a, there isn't an overwhelming valuation argument uh, for south africa again just simply because what's the top line growth forecasts and and if the fed and the fed will move towards tapering whether they announce it in september whether they announce it in november december you can see that they're stepping in that direction the employment data i think what also contributed was last was yesterday's weekly jobless claims which was very low suggesting the labor market is strong and if the labor market remains strong in the us they will they will announce taper i think by the end of the year and that will constantly place emerging markets under pressure from a sentiment point of view. So I think it's a very difficult argument to, to look just at SA uh, companies with no rand hedge component and say, well, I'm going to buy this. Why? And I'd have to say, what are you buying it for? Where's the catalyst here? And I struggle to get to that answer. Mm -hmm. Lindsay Williams, would you like to close out our show, please? Yes, I will. And first of all, I have to apologize for being late. And I have to apologize for the first time um, conducting this particular show in my pajamas. Uh, I will say <laughs> I'm, I'm going defensive. I'm going to shut up. I'm going defensive uh, this week with Johnson & Johnson and Nestle and things like that. Because although I haven't brushed my teeth this morning, it doesn't matter what happens to the market. And the fact is you do have to use toothpaste. And Bronwyn Nielsen does have to have her daily Kit Kat. Okay, uh, that was the business of money. And it will be back same time next week. This week, though, it was populated by Kevin Lings, the chief economist at Standard in Johannesburg. Uh, Wayne, Wayne the Mechanic McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investment, and of course, Bronwyn Nielsen. And what else can you say apart from Bronwyn Nielsen? The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position, 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.